Hello, this is Gary Stringer, President and Chief Investment Officer at Stringer Asset Management. Welcome and thank you for joining us for our 2024 Annual Outlook presentation. Now, regardless if you're watching this video online or listening to the audio podcast, we thank you for your time and, and attention. Uh, in this presentation, we'll provide a brief summary and an explanation of our current economic and market outlook. For more details, please contact your financial advisor. And thanks again for joining us. The theme for our 2024 outlook is defense wins championships and digging into valuations. Uh, we're going to run through uh, some comparisons of 2023 to 2024 and some of the changing dynamics um, from what propped up the economy in 2023 and the narrow market rally to what we see going forward. Um, the economy in 2023 was more resilient than we had expected, given the uh, aggressiveness of the Fed tightening policy. The Federal Reserve is notoriously not known for their nuance, and recent history has been no, no exception with the massive stimulus outcome out of the pandemic and the massive amount of tightening we've seen more recently. Um, however, it's important to recognize that the U.S. economy um, is a massive economy, the largest in the history of the world, really, and very uh, broadly diversified. So uh, the consequences of Fed policy shifts take time to work their way through the economy. So these shifts are not instantaneous. Um, and we, while we are expecting Fed rate cuts in the coming year, um, it'll take some time for the impact to be felt in other parts of the economy, in some parts of the economy, while they'll be felt more dramatically in some parts of the economy and the market. So for example, while high money markets today, high money market rates today might seem appealing, they carry their own risks. As soon as the Federal Reserve starts cutting rates, those yields, that current income will be negatively impacted very quickly. Um, Meanwhile, a diversified intermediate or longer duration high quality fixed income investments uh, offer co both compelling income and the potential for capital appreciation because if interest rates fall, those investments will actually gain in value. So uh, we think a more balanced approach to that makes a lot of sense. Also, high quality equities with dividend income potential are very attractive today. Um, so we have a full slate of anticipated Federal Reserve policy shifts coming, uh, no shortage of headlines given its election year. Uh, we think that uh, Having the ability to be nimble uh, makes a lot of sense in this environment. Uh, our broad outlook for the U.S. Uh, primarily, um, we're looking at a restrictive monetary policy still. Um, fiscal conditions are ex expansionary with the government continuing, the federal government continuing to spend a lot of money. Uh, but we think that's one of the things that, that, that ends up changing in the coming year or two. Um, Leading economic indicators have kind of flatlined. They're really directionless in the U.S. Market valuations are mixed. Some areas of the U.S. equity market, especially the areas that led the 2023 market rally, look to be very expensive to us. Meanwhile, other areas were really left behind. So there's a lot of opportunity out there. That overall makes us cautiously optimistic on things. Uh, and in fact, globally, we're generally cautiously optimistic. Uh, so we're most concerned about what's happening in, in Europe. Um, we think emerging markets, it really depends on the market. Um, you know, we're, we've been underweight China for some time. We're still concerned about what's going on in China, um, whereas other areas might create more, might have more opportunities. Um, and Japan has been a place we've been cautiously optimistic about for a while. Uh, with respect to what we're seeing in the United States and what we're thinking about going forward, uh, here we're looking at a comparison of, of economic, uh, the size of the economy, so GDP, compared to the amount of money in the economy. And what we can see clearly is... Uh, during the, as a response to the pandemic, we saw a jump in the amount of money in the economy. You can see that gold line there. And that's really uh, a matter of the massive amount of fiscal and monetary stimulus that was pumped into the economy uh, that kept de demand levels high um, as the government was sending checks out to people. Um, 
and, uh, and, and really created or exacerbated inflationary pressure. So you see this massive amount of government intervention, a lot of uh, money going into the economy, and that would be textbook followed by inflation, which is exactly what we, what we saw. Um, so we saw a spike in inflation and in uh, economic activity following all that stimulus. Um, however, as we look at it uh, on a relative basis, we've been actually seeing the amount of money in the economy jump relative to the size of the economy, but that has been on a steady decline um, ever since. And so a continuation of this decline will lead to a, de a continuation of a decline in inflationary pressures. I think that's that's one of the major considerations that the consensus is thinking about with Federal Reserve rate cuts coming into the, the year ahead. Uh, the market has priced in already uh, a series of more rate cuts than the Federal Reserve um, as, as forecast. And we tend to agree with that because the amount of money in the economy is being drained out rather quickly. And as a result, inflationary pressure will continue to fall, although it will ebb and flow. We think headline inflationary pressure will continue to fall, uh, which is good news. One of the challenges in the, for the economy going forward is uh, the amount of, mass amount of deficit spending that has been utilized to prop up some of this demand-driven economic growth. Now, typically we see uh, government spending increase relative to uh, tax receipts, so deficits increasing, deficits ballooning uh, in times of war and in times of economic stress such as recessions. And this is largely a result of automatic stabilizers that are already on the books, things like unemployment insurance. So when the economy is, is slowing or contracting, layoffs increase, unemployment claims and insurance claims increase, and government spending as a result of the safety nets increases automatically. These automatic stabilizers are very important for the, for the stable, help stabilize the economy. Um, however, what we've seen is a massive spike in, in deficit spending during the pandemic as a result of the ad hoc programs in addition to the stuff that's already on the books. Um, but even with the economic recovery, we've seen uh, deficit spending has persisted up well above historical norms when you have a situation where we're not at war and the economy is rather healthy, as, as we can see with low uh, unemployment rates, for example. Um, now, we, we don't believe that this deficit spending can, can continue at its current rate. Uh, as we can see here, the, the federal tax receipts have leveled off as as uh, economic growth has has stabilized. Yet deficit spending continues, and at some point, the market's going to uh, impact uh, impact this. There'll be uh, discipline basically forced upon the government as a result of uh, maybe higher interest rates um, or a, a greater part of the federal budget going to service the debt. These types of things. Now, it's not. Uh, it's, it's not a bear case scenario necessarily. It's just a matter of uh, the, the government spending is going to have to decline. It's just unsustainable to keep spending uh, rates this high. And as a result, with uh, the excess savings combined, the excess savings in the private sector waning, coming down, uh, and government spending likely to be pulling back, we think that is going to create a, a headwind to economic growth in the year ahead. We think that uh, economic growth will will persist, but slow down significantly closer to 1%, which is below uh, the historical trend line. We think below potential, um, but not, 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 not a bear case scenario. Um, so investment implications. It, again, following last year's uh, narrow equity market rally, focus on just a limited number of companies, there have been a lot of companies that were largely ignored last year. So that creates very attractive valuations um, in equity and fixed income, really. Um, as a result, we're on the equity side, we're accentuated, we're focused on more value-oriented and defensive sectors, which also offer relatively strong yields. Um, we believe these will only look more attractive as the Fed reduces interest rates so that income, that, that those, those high levels of incomes that the money markets and T-bills are kicking off will 
will go away, the, that, that yield will come down. It'll make these uh, dividend payers that much more attractive. Um, and we think that investors who are over-allocated to money markets and T-bills, it does make sense to have some money in those areas, we think. But if you're over-out in those spaces, you're going to see a very quick decline in current income um, as those interest rates cut, uh, fall with Fed rate cuts. In contrast, those people who have locked in higher interest rates for longer and intermediate and longer-term duration can experience more stable income, current income, um, and potentially price appreciation as bond prices rise when interest rates fall. We think that diversifying across maturities can be very advantageous today. You want to lock in those longer rates today if you can. And now, thinking about the market last year in terms of volatility, the market was very calm last year, very, very stable. Um, we think that may not persist. Um, we think that the current low levels of volatility, as measured by the VIX, um, it tends to mean revert and move higher after the period of low volatility. And what we saw was uh, VIX levels ranking very low, so very low volatility, and the bottom 20% of trading days for the last 30 years. So the more likely scenario, the more likely direction for volatility is, is, is higher. And defensive areas on the equity side can help uh, offset some of that volatility. So as we look here at the price to earnings, so what are you paying to get a year, uh, the earnings forward? Um, you can see that on the S&P 500 index, just as a broad example, it's a cap-weighted index. It's very, very top-heavy right now. And as a result of the rally last year and the top-heavy nature of the index today, uh, it's very expensive relative to historical norms. So investors are really paying up. If you're going to adjust the S&P today, you're really paying up for next year's earnings versus if you just buy the dividends, um, they're actually trading very low relative to historical norms. So you get uh, safety at a discount, we think, out of buying uh, dividend pairs. And here's a, another look at the VIX over the longer longer time frame. You can see the over time, uh, historically, the VIX level has has averaged just under 20% or just under 20. And the last year ranks in the bottom. Or recently, we've been seeing the bottom 20% of trading days over the last 30 years. So again, historically, what you can see in the chart, when you see it, when you have a period of very low volatility, it tends to be followed by an uptick in volatility. So that's not something to be afraid of. It creates opportunities for us to deploy assets in high-quality businesses, high-quality investments at lower valuations. Uh, here we're looking at our favorite choices. I mentioned dividends. We, we focus on those both domestically and foreign today. Healthcare and technology um, are still uh, two of our favorite sectors. Uh, on the fixed income side, I've talked about having yet some short duration, um, especially we like the mortgage-backed space, um, but we also want intermediate core and, and taxable munis um, have a little bit more interest rate sensitivity to them. They kick off a really nice yield uh, today. Um, we think that, that diversification across fixed income is very important. On the alternative side, these areas continue to be important to us, equity options, early strategies, and MLPs especially. Uh, the cash indicator. Uh, the cash indicator uh, is at a very low level relative to historical norms. That's reflective of the low level of the equity market volatility, as well as relatively quite, uh, tight credit spreads in, in fixed income, especially in high yield space. Uh, so what we've seen here is a, a strong rally, especially in the last couple of months of the uh, of last year, strong equity market rally. We think the equity market is going to take a breather, and we think that increased volatility will create opportunities for us to deploy assets at much more attractive valuations um, as the months go by. So with that, I'll close by saying thank you for your time. If you have any uh, further questions, please contact your financial advisor. They'll be happy to help.
This audio recording was brought to you by Stringer Asset Management. The views and opinions expressed herein are those of the speaker and are subject to changes, market, and other conditions warrant and do not constitute investment advice or recommendation regarding any specific product or security. There's no guarantee that any investment strategy discussed will be successful or achieve any particular level of results. Any economic or market performance information is historical and not indicative of future results and no forecasts are guaranteed. Investing involves risks, including the potential loss of principal. Stringer Asset Management makes no representation or warranty as to the accuracy or completeness of the statements or any information contained in this audio recording. Liability, including with respect to direct, indirect, or consequential loss or damage, is expressly disclaimed. Stringer Asset Management is not providing any financial economic, legal, accounting, or tax advice in this audio recording. Thank you.